Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Out of the gates and ready to go. Outkick 360 underway. Monday edition with plenty to get to from the NFL weekend. The championship matchups for the NFC and AFC set. About to dive in headfirst on that. Plus, Dan Dockett joins us in 20 minutes. We'll hit the weekend headlines with the host of Don't At Me across the Outkick network. John Fanta, Fox College basketball reporter on with us in hour number two. A big shakeup in the... Top 10, top 25 in college hoops. We'll hit the big headlines there and plenty to discuss with NFL quarterbacks and more. Chad, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hutton. I'm ready to go. I'm I'm out of the gates. I am fired up. Let's get to it. Let's do it. Here are your top headlines from the weekend, our OutKick 366 in 360. So, Chad, let's start with Jeff Bezos in the headlines today for two different reasons. First, the... Reports came out that he was going to sell the Washington Post in order to purchase the Washington Commanders. And then he has since denied those claims. Uh, The Post put out this morning that Bezos may sell the Washington Post to buy the Commanders, according to investors. And since then, within the last 30 minutes, he has said that that's not true, that the paper is not for sale, and that he's yet to put in a formal uh, former offer a formal offer for the for the franchise so far here's what we know about the commanders and what we can expect yes they are absolutely for sale it sounds like Josh Harris who owns the Philadelphia 76ers and the Devils in the NHL is the favorite to get the franchise he's a DC native and he's the one that's been tossed around with his ownership group, that seems like they're the most interested. This is going to break records. We could see upwards of six to seven billion, according to reports. And Bezos, while he has been mentioned along with Jay-Z, Bezos has not formally put in an offer for the club. So 4.8 billion was the Broncos sell? Yes. Now, if this goes between six and seven, it could get there. It's it's definitely gonna break records. They need multiple bids to make that happen. You know how much I study the financial markets, right? That's a yes. big, you know, past on I follow your lead yeah, on that. NASDAQ, all those things. Dow Jones, big into all these things. I study every financial times, make sure that I'm really up on the finance world. Uh, I say all that sarcastically, but I say that to say I know who Jeff Bezos is. And when you are a celebrity billionaire, I've been thinking about this. I know other owners may not like it. I feel like it's a good thing for your sport. Uh, to have an owner that everyone knows. If Elon Musk suddenly owned an NFL team, I'd be more interested in the NFL team. Wouldn't be a fan of them or anything, but I'd, I'd be more interested. When a member of the Walton family buys the Broncos, I don't think that's a bad thing for the Denver Broncos. I don't think it's a bad thing for the league. Jerry Jones became a celebrity owner, and no one knew who he was when he bought the Cowboys back in 1989. But celebrity billionaire ownership for a team... I don't think is necessarily bad. I think back to when Mark Cuban talked about wanting to buy a Major League Baseball team. 
and in fact, I think started the process of putting a bid for the Chicago Cubs and did not get it. But my immediate thought was, whether this is good or bad for the Cubs, I don't know. Also, I don't care. I'm not a Cubs fan. But it's interesting. It raises the interest in that club. It raises the interest to me. I think the more people you have when Jay-Z owns the Brooklyn Nets, it would raise interest in that team because you know who Jay-Z is. I don't think this is a bad thing at all. If well, Jeff Bezos were to be the one that bought the Commanders. And, and maybe he's not putting in the formal uh, offer until he knows he's going to be voted through, you know, through the fraternity vetting process that goes into this. Harris has been mentioned even back whenever the Broncos were up for bid. Now, the, the, the bidding process was supposed to happen just before the end of 2022. All the bids were supposed to be in. And at that time, front office sports reported that Bezos hadn't put in that offer yet. But the billions speak, right? So yeah. far, he's denying that he's selling the Washington Post in order to put in the, the massive amount that it would take to purchase this team from Dan Snyder. I'm looking at this very surface level right now, again, as I joke to someone who doesn't study the markets and the Financial Times and all that. I'm just saying, if I know the owner and that owner buys a team that is of no consequence to me, I don't feel like that's a bad thing for interest in your sport or bad thing for marketing. I don't know how good of an NFL owner Jeff Bezos would be. I don't know if Commanders fans want him to be the owner or not. I'm just saying when that happens, when celebrity and billions of dollars lines up and they can own a pro sports team, that helps the interest in everything around that franchise, I would think. Tons of interest this weekend in the divisional round. The Chiefs end up winning despite Patrick Mahomes with the, the high ankle sprain, which is confirmed. He says he's playing in the championship game against Cincinnati, but it will not be on a neutral field because Cincinnati beat Buffalo. Meanwhile, Mahomes made it through this game in the second half, came back out, wanted to play, and they win 27-20 as he wills his team to victory, hobbled on one leg. Uh, fantastic performance overall by Kansas City. Jacksonville had a shot, could never scratch and claw to actually grab a lead whenever Mahomes was out. And that's because Penny came off the bench and led a 98-yard drive. That was really the nail in the coffin in the second quarter. The value of having a veteran uh, backup like who Chad never plays, Henning, who, who never, <laughs> never has to play, but... I remember him coming in in a pinch um, last year or the year before in a game in the playoffs and, and did what was necessary to not lose the game and did pretty well. I remember he got a big third or fourth down, yeah. the conversion also that iced the game for the, the Chiefs. Um, that being said, they're not beating Cincinnati without uh, an 80% Patrick Mahomes. I, I acknowledge that he's there's no way he's going to be 100% in this game. I also acknowledge he's probably going to give it a go. And try to play. That's what he said. Regardless, right? So he didn't want to come out of the game. The Mahomes I watched, while you can say a heroic performance to gut it out and play that game, dude had one leg. I mean, he was he was in his drop, hopping on one leg essentially, where he could not plant and throw. That that's not good news for the Chiefs. I thought the the most amazing part of it was he was out of the game for nearly a full hour before returning on the high ankle sprain. So they took him inside and he was pissed off about it. And then halftime. And then by the time he actually came back out and told Melissa Stark that he was playing, it had been about an hour. 
and normally you just play off adrenaline and then post game you end up suffering the effects of, of, of what was going on with the with the ankle. He's issue. not able to walk today. Yeah, right. That that's the yeah. the thought. It's the day after, the two days after, three days after. That thing's gonna swell up so bad and be so painful, you're not gonna be moving at all. Um, I, I'm with you. The fact that he left and came back, I mean, what kind of shot did they give him in the locker room to help with that? I'm sure it was part of it, but it was pretty incredible. I, I'm just watching him and thinking, is this really the best option right now? You know, I, I don't know. We didn't have to see Chad Henney the rest of the game in that one, but he was, I mean, was he 50%? Was he 40%? I, I don't know. It wasn't good. No. No, but it was enough to beat Jacksonville. Yep. Now they've got to face a rematch for the ASC title game in Arrowhead against the Cincinnati Bengals, who took care of business against the Buffalo Bills yesterday, 27-10. to 10. I've been shouting, Cincinnati's the best overall team. They can beat you in multiple ways. They have the better quarterback. They've got the better offensive line, the better defensive line in this game, the better game plan, and the better overall team than Buffalo, who had been flirting with disaster in recent weeks. And with the turnovers, with the inability to really establish a run game other than their quarterback. And yesterday, they ran into a buzzsaw with Cincinnati's defensive plan and the fact that they were playing from behind in a game that they never expected to be playing from behind with the elements. It was so disappointing on the Bills' side. I want to start there because we're going to spend a week previewing this AFC Championship and talking about Burrow and the Bengals. They were fantastic. Defensive plan was fantastic. The Bills' inability to stop the run is pathetic. Let's call it what it is. That was America's team going to that game, and they laid a huge egg. They played terribly the final three games of the season. That is a massive, massive, massive disappointment. A year ago for Bills, for Bills fans, and I know quite a few of them, it was hope, it was optimism, it was, if not for that damn coin toss, we go into Arrowhead and beat Kansas City. What an amazing game between two great offenses. But that coin toss is the reason we didn't win and the Chiefs went on and won. And a year later, it is a thud of a franchise. And there's got to be some serious soul-searching going on about and they're that not a team's young team. inability to get to where they need to go. You're they're right, not a young they're, team. They're not they're, a young team. They have and losing issues. Von Miller was obviously huge for that team. But just epic disappointment given everything going on around the Buffalo Bills, given that this had the feeling of they need to go to a Super Bowl. We said in the preseason, it's Super Bowl or bust time yeah, their season for the Buffalo started two Bills. Weeks ago. And they went out there and they got embarrassed at home by Cincinnati. Roger Saffold, their veteran offensive lineman, said that they were tired. During the week, they were exhausted. And he pointed to all the things they'd been through, but also just tired on the season. And he said he could sense it based on how they were trying to mix up practice regiments and how they were planning for certain things on days where they wouldn't normally have that session installed and it showed they were blitz from the start and while they only sacked josh allen one time the Bengals rattled him he never felt comfortable and on the opposite side the Bengals are clicking on all cylinders but the best thing from the bills perspective yesterday was damar hamlin was in the building and while he wasn't there a week ago he was there today, and it's remarkable, uh, considering where we were in Week 17, same teams. Setting wasn't the same. It was in Cincinnati. But to have him in attendance yesterday, Chad, was was awesome. And that's the best thing going right now in the city of Buffalo today. Yeah, very cool. I saw him posing uh, on Instagram next to a mural of, of himself 
in Buffalo that was a really cool shot and given the heart sign uh, with DeMar Hamlin. R- really cool moment for him and, and Buffalo. And, and again, I just I keep coming back to maybe I'm channeling my brother-in-law who's from Western New York and a Bills fan who hasn't spoken to anyone since that game ended. We hope he's okay. Um, it's, it's another reason to be terribly disappointed. Yeah. I mean, and, and I, the tired thing, come on. Give me a break. Every team is tired, and if they win that game and they get to a Super Bowl, we are trumpeting the fact, and they're talking about, and everyone that covers that team is saying, that rallied the team. The snowstorm, DeMar Hamlin, really unified that locker room and propelled them into the Super Bowl. You can't then come back and flip it and say, well, we're tired from everything. They said I, I, just exhausted. Don't, I don't buy that. But we, I mean, uh, last week the question was, will all of that, all, the culmination of everything that's gone on this season catch up with them. I think it does play a factor, but they just ran into a better overall team, top to bottom. And since he's here to stay, they, they've got a roster where they can now pay their quarterback and still keep their talent in place. Buffalo has some hard decisions to make, roster-wise, to keep their championship window open for as long as possible with the contract that they have for their quarterback. Same goes for uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, a lot like Cincinnati. And we have yet to see them. Who they, they limped into the postseason with a couple of losses. Chad Jalen Hurts, he's more than okay. He was off the injury report last week. They throttled the Giants, thirty-eight to seven, as the magic run from Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley comes to an abrupt halt, and they lose for the third time this season to Philly. So I'll be the first to raise my hand and say, "Hey, I'm an idiot," because I sat sat here on Friday and said the big surprise of the weekend would be the Giants winning outright in Philadelphia. And Hutton, I knew that thing was over quickly when I watched these two teams on the field together. 14-0. Philadelphia is remarkable. And they were great on this night. I need to leave the betting up to Dylan Taylor without kick, who gave us some winners over the weekend. I did not provide any winners on my own. I apologize to the Eagles. They've been great all year. We've been talking about them being great all year. They were terrific. And Hutton, you posed the question a week ago. Can you trust Daniel Jones to have a second performance the way he had one against Minnesota? The answer right now is no, but also two very different opponents. That Philadelphia Eagles roster is stacked. Top to bottom, offense, defense. The most impressive parts of their team are offensive line and defensive line. They flex that in this game. And the Giants' Cinderella story was bound to eventually hit a brick wall. And that's what happened in Philly. And don't let people uh, tell you that there's no place for defense in this league anymore because the top two defenses in the NFC belong to Philadelphia and San Francisco. And both quarterbacks that played well in the wildcard round looked awful against these defenses. Dak Prescott yesterday, uh, not a repeat performance from what we saw against Tampa. And they go home packed. What was that final play? Oh they, my gosh. What was that? It was hilarious, is what it was. That's uh, how I described that play. That Mike <laughs> Zeke Elliott snapping the ball as the center on the play was the best part of it. And then the linebacker able to get a running but, start and just knock him over on the snap was but throwing the turpin. Like what are they doing? So the only thing I'd, I'd have to They're go looking back. for a lateral. <laughs> Again. So my thought, this is this is going to sound funny, and I'm not trying to play high school Harry here, but I did play a little uh, flag football in college, <laughs> and we had a little a, intramural. We had a we had a slant pitch play, and the slant pitch was you know you throw a slant, and then you got someone leaking behind going the opposite way, and you got the option to pitch back to them, and they keep running. 
I thought another play we ran was I had a very athletic uh, center named Wes Webb who played high school football. It was, was an all-region center offensive lineman, but he could run. So he would snap the ball to me, and one of our favorite plays was in, in flag football, you can throw to the center. So we'd throw it to the center, and then he'd have the ability to pitch it back to me or a receiver in flag football. Hutton, I thought it was going to be something like that if Zeke Elliott didn't get just steamrolled at the line, where the pass to Turpin was going to immediately come back to Elliott. But it's clear on the play, Elliott's trying to block. He's not going out for a, for to get the, the the flip, right? Not a pass. Well, he gets steamrolled. I'm saying he's facing, and then he's flipping it back to Zeke Elliott going, going down the field was my first thought. But he snaps it and just gets run over. So even if that was the play, we'll never know. Well, and, yeah, and he's eligible on the play. He's ineligible as a receiver, but you can lateral to him. And he gets steamrolled from saying. the snap. Yeah. And I don't – I mean, he. there was no chance of that. I just don't know why Mike McCarthy postgame was just like, yeah, you know, we of course we had other things planned for this. It didn't go as we wanted from the snap, but, you know, we'll, we'll keep that, you know, under wraps on what this play was. No, you crumble this up and you burn it. Yeah, I that, that's it. Dalton Schultz, get two feet in on the previous oh, play, by so the way. Bad. So you don't have to end up doing this. Um, but it was just a complete disaster. And this was not a great performance top to bottom by San Francisco. But they show you they can win in a, a variety of ways, and that defense is going to come to play every single game. Yeah, I mean they and I thought Brock Purdy was pretty good. He wasn't great, and it wasn't a vintage 49ers performance because they just couldn't punch it in the end zone. They had some great long drives. They, they were just settling for field goals time and time again. That's not going to get it done against the Eagles. It was You could get, get the job done against the Cowboys doing that. I also just watched this, and following up a great performance in the Cowboys' first road playoff win since 1992 or whenever it was. Over 30 years. Dak Prescott was just not yeah, good he's enough. Not, not the guy. He's not the guy. He's not the one that's going to win it. You know, we, we're here in Nashville and questions about Ryan Tannehill. Can this guy ever win a Super Bowl? Most everyone would say no. He's been to a conference championship game, something Dak Prescott hasn't, and has had opportunities. Losing, He's not getting it done. Losing Pollard to the broken ankle was massive yep. for them. And then Prescott was just off. You know, he, he wasn't hitting Gallup, who's wide open, down the, the, down the seam in the fourth quarter. Chances to take control of that game and what was 9-9 the score in the third and the Cowboys couldn't get it done and now we sit and wait to see just how mad Jerry Jones is about things with their roster and with their head coach we would presume that Mike McCarthy's safe after what happened in Tampa but who knows because Jerry's not getting any younger and he wants to win and he's constructed a team where he's I mean they're good enough to win but they have not been clutch in those key moments. And I love and getting the San Fran has the, getting the immediate feedback from Jerry Jones post game, where he is saying how disappointed he is, how gut wrenching it is, but then immediately backing his guy Dak Prescott and said, "Give us a year to prepare. I'm taking Dak Prescott every time to go in and win." And I'm thinking to myself, why? What else do you need to see that this guy's not the guy? He lacks quote unquote it. He doesn't have it. He's throwing picks every game. I mean, I, I, Brock Purdy has it. Joe Burrow certainly has it. Dak Prescott does not have it. There should have been a third interception, too, that ended the game. Yes. That was dropped late. That would have been a pick six. No, when he got the ball back, you knew they were not going down to score. No. No chance. Coming up, Dan Dockett reacts to the top headlines of the weekend. We'll get his take on what Cincinnati has shown everyone 
off of their performance in Buffalo. And, I mean, the fact that even when healthy, they have taken out the Kansas City Chiefs. What about Mahomes now, who's going to be on one leg? Dan Dockett's next and Outkick 360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. With Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine, I'll kick 360 rolls on. Chad, uh, any backlash from the neighborhood this weekend? <laughs> I'm glad you asked, Hutton. Not yet. Is the answer to that? Because <laughs> well, you haven't I've been. Not, off. I haven't had a lot of interaction. <laughs> I went for a little jog in the neighborhood today, and mm-hmm. I had the the winter stocking hat on as I went for the jog, and I was kind of pulling it over my face a little bit more, yeah, just in case I encountered someone that no. was involved in my Facebook turf war that we discussed you on hit Friday. By any BBs or what was it? Frozen uh, Orbeez. Orbeez. Frozen Orbeez. Um, I do have a quick follow up on that though. By the way, uh, terrific response to that. Thanks to everybody who reached out that, that liked that segment and that's asking me how it's progressed since. To my knowledge, um, there's been no resolution. I was talking to another mom. They said, I think it just ended with the back and forth on Facebook, and they have not, the two parties have not reached out to the other one, which is going to make for an interesting pool session when the <laughs> neighborhood pool opens back up because I think both frequent the pool quite, quite often. But one of my cousins, who's uh, probably 10 or 11, uh, that I was with this weekend at our family reunion in the mountains, she has an Orbeez automatic weapon that sounded just like the one Perfect. that was shot. And all Friday night, I get there, and everyone around me was saying, you need to, on video, get shot with that to do a demonstration <laughs> to see how bad it hurts. Now, they didn't freeze the Orbeez because I asked... The parent, yes. my cousin David, the parent you want to of recreate the, this the experiment girl who had it, I asked him, uh, how bad would it hurt? He said, oh, it would hurt pretty bad if they were freezing those little Orbeez. <laughs> I mean, it would, it, you would feel it. But he said, you, it doesn't really hurt when they just shoot the Orbeez at you, yeah. you know, normally. So, but we left on Sunday, and on the way back, uh, my wife Angie looks at me and says, you forgot to do the video of you just getting pelted, just tied up against a wall, getting I, pelted I mean, with the, the machine gun. <laughs> And uh, we so can make that happen. Missed opportunity. <laughs> missed opportunity. If someone wants to buy the Orbeez gun and shoot me with it, I'm no. It's I'm, a, it sounds like a great 360 punishment. Oh, I think it'd be fun to go through the progression. Here's the Orbeez shot at close range. Mm-hmm. Now let's freeze these bad boys and and feel what it feels like on skin. 
you know, shoot me in the leg with it. It is a little nerve wracking though. The um, uh, thinking about those things getting you in the eye. For, you know, oh, from the optometrist yeah. standpoint, I can totally get it. Something else I realized now, twice I've done this, we went on a ski lift when we were in Pigeon Forge, and I took my oldest daughter, Evie, who's seven on it. Um, I cannot properly explain the level of fear I get when someone that little, that's your child, is next to you on a ski lift. I have never in my life been worried on a ski lift or looked around and gotten scared that the thing's going to fall railing? off or that you're going to fall through or anything. But when someone that little, that is your, your responsibility, I mean, I had a death grip on her the entire time. And she was like, Dad, you can, you can let go. And I did, but I was still like, uh. And I said, Evie, and I'm trying not to freak her out. I said, Evie, would you just do me a favor and take your leg up and like straddle the seat? Because she was in the middle. You know, there's nothing in between her legs that's holding her in. Yeah. So I'm thinking if you move enough and just slip, it's it's gone, right? So I am holding on to her for dear life on this ski lift, and it was a weird sinking feeling of something I would never be scared of myself. But when you're in charge of a little one, suddenly you're terrified. Yeah, you're like of this, the worst this thing. This could not happen to me. Yeah, I mean it could happen to me too. But I'm saying no. I'm saying like it it, it, it wouldn't happen to you. You're like this can't happen on my watch. Well, with someone that little though, you know, there's so much separation between the bar on the ski lift. To where, you know, it'd be hard for me. I'd have to, like, wriggle through it to get my big body out of the ski lift. Yeah. She just moves the wrong way, and she's sliding right out because she's so small. So I've got a death grip on her the entire time. Chad, you were on uh, Dan's show this morning, right? I was. Were you on time? I was, yes. Okay, we're waiting on Dan Dockage. Yes. Don't I'm, at me, Dan. I'm always, I'm always on time. I would like for Dan, um, who is a big proponent of mm-hmm. accountability on his show, who just crushes... Anyone who ever dares to question a coach in any situation, um, I, he, he needs to answer for this when he comes on and tell us exactly why he is now, what, nine minutes late? Yeah, sure. Ten minutes late? So we'll, we'll ask him when he comes on. Best remaining team in the NFL right now. I've got mine hands down. Keywords team. Well, so, hmm. Great question. I think there's a couple different answers here. Who do I think is the best team, and who do I think is going to win the Super Bowl? Okay. When the Bills were up 14-0 yesterday, I put a pretty heavy bet. On Bengals. The, sorry, the Bengals up on the Bills. I put a pretty big bet on Cincinnati to win it all. That's the team to me that's going to win it now. Mahomes hurt. Joe Burrow being Joe Burrow in clutch time. Mm-hmm. I think the Bengals are going to win it. Who do I think is the best team top to bottom right now? The Philadelphia Eagles. And I think San Francisco is a close second. I think Cincinnati's probably third on that list, but I feel like Cincinnati's going to win it all. So I had, whenever the playoffs started, Bengals, 49ers in the Super Bowl. I, I still feel that way. And I think San Francisco's defense is good enough to go toe to toe with Philadelphia because I have seen Philadelphia at times this season look like an average team, average meaning like a good playoff team. Not unbeatable. The way that Cincinnati is playing with this chip on their shoulder, to me, that's the X factor. Philadelphia can sling it all over the place. They've got a defense. What They had 15 more sacks than the next best defense in the NFL. I mean, it's insane what they've done defensively. But I am, and it's, home field advantage to them means a ton this coming week. Very difficult to go to Philly and win in the playoffs. 
What but a Chad, great two spots, though, by the this, way, to host championship games in Philly yeah, oh, and yeah. KC in terms of atmosphere, of possible weather in both spots. This is perfect. This is another example of why we should never go to neutral site conference championship oh, yeah. games. So you're saying Cincy. I would say Cincy. I'm, best I'm team. picking I, – I bet on Cincy. When I saw what they were doing to Buffalo, I went ahead and bet on Cincy to win it all. But I think the best team top to bottom right now, the Philadelphia Eagles. Dan Dockett joins us, host of Don't At Me Across the Outkick Network. Dan, we're talking best team remaining in the NFL. Who would you go with? Uh, I have a hard time not saying the Eagles. I just thought the way they played was dynamite. I mean, look, everybody was loving on Daniel Jones and Dayball and all that kind of stuff, but they just got their brains beat out. You know, uh, we always talk about Mahomes. I certainly do. Um, we talk about Josh Allen. Everybody was all year. But God dang, man, the Eagles look dynamite. I'm sorry for being late. I don't know what happened. Just a moron, <laughs> so I apologize. You fall asleep? You take no, a nap? Were you working out? You're a big workout guy now. It looks like you're down a few LBs. I mean, you're probably working out. Yeah, stress-free. We're looking at a stress-free Dan Dockett right yeah. now. Yeah, let's say working out. That's what I was doing. I was pumping <laughs> iron, baby. I was getting burly. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm taking Cincinnati as the best team remaining. I think they can beat you multiple ways. And I, the win streak that they're on, along with San Francisco, but the X factor between the two for me is the quarterback. And defensively, the Bengals, the last two playoffs now, they have put together game plans that have shut down the NFL's top offenses. I can't argue that. I, I really can't. I mean, look um, – People are all upset, right, in, in Buffalo, and I think a lot of experts that had the Bills. Uh, and I, I also think this, you know, first impressions are tough. And I think the first impression that people had early was that this offensive line uh, wasn't coming together. You know, they brought in a bunch of new play pieces, including my favorite NFL player, Teddy Karras Jr. Jr., whose dad will be on our show, by the way. He's a friend of mine going back to nice. high school. But anyway, so people said, hey, look, you know, well, this team isn't any good. The offensive line, well, we it is. It road-graded the Buffalo Bills. If you're going to say, other than, you know, Joe Burrow was terrific, but if you're going to say maybe the number one reason why the Buffalo Bills are out and the Bengals are in, I think you'd have to say the offensive line. But going back to the start of the year, guys, I think you'd agree with this. People were not giving them credit and probably shouldn't. They weren't very good, but... You know what happens, at least the coach in me hopes it happens, that, you know, over the course of a season, teams get better and groups get better. You know, maybe a quarterback, maybe a running back group, maybe a wide receiver, defensive back. But in this case, I think no matter who you've put in there, that offensive front, uh, that front offensive line is damn good uh, for the Bengals and as big a part of any of a bigger reason as any of it for the Bengals' success. Dan, maybe I misread the retweet that you had, but you were not defending Mike McCarthy for shoving the camera guy, were you, in your tweet? Or, or oh, were yeah. you defending him? Yeah. Well, yeah well, I mean, hold on. Friend. If we're going to talk accountability here, Mike McCarthy, what did the guy do? I mean, he's standing off to the side. I understand if he's, like, tripping him or trying to get a comment from him, but he shoved the dude down. He apologized to him, right? McCarthy well, did. I didn't, I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't know he shoved the dude down. I just thought he shoved him out. I mean, I've had that. I remember when I was a head coach at Indiana, and, you know, I was going my first game. These dudes think that they can put this right in your face, and you're like, hey, man. In fact, I was going to let a guy trip over a curb, but the kindness <laughs> of my heart, I'm like, hold it. Just stop, or you're going to trip right here. I don't know why just because you get a media pass 
that you can stick things in people's faces, a little common courtesy. That camera probably had a lens that could have taken the same picture from about 10 feet back. I didn't know he pushed the guy down. McCarthy must be freakishly strong. He must lift like I do. But uh, at the end of the day, I got no problem. Hey, man, you want to stick a camera in my face and I want to stick a hand in your camera. I got no problem I, with it. I, I don't will, necessarily think a guy should be pushed down. I will say that spatial and awareness. And the accountability part. I, is that yeah, an all-time low? I, I've had that happen. <laughs> We've had, yes. We had an incident with, uh, with PK back on our old show where he had a camera way too close to Rodney Harrison on Super Bowl Radio Row. And it's a famous moment in our show where Rodney Harrison told him to GTFO when he was trying to take a picture of him just on Radio <laughs> Row, and it became this big thing back and forth. And even I was a little bit uncomfortable with how close he was getting up to him just while he was doing the show to take a picture of him. So I can understand that. But I also think, like, if you're fully extending, you know, it's one thing to, like, knock it out of the way. Yeah, the Heisman. Like, yeah, I mean, I, there's also – I'll just say this. There's a reason McCarthy called the guy to his office to apologize. And I'll give the cameraman credit. He said, he didn't shove me. He hit the camera and kind of knocked him over yeah. with the camera. And he said, and he apologized to me afterward, and we talked about it. So I think all's well that yeah. ends well. I do too. I think it's a non-issue. Like, hey, I, I just tell you, I, my first time I'm a recruit in Indiana University's basketball office after they beat uh, Ohio State, and there's a reporter named Chet Kopik that's interviewing Knight, and they're sitting across from each other, and he puts the microphone literally almost in Knight's mouth, and I'll never forget, my dad and I and my brother were sitting there, and Knight goes, Chet, if you don't get that camera out of here, I'm going to stick, or if you don't get that mic out of my mouth, I'm going to stick it up your, and we're rolling, right? We think it's great, so I've always paid attention to that. Hey, get your camera out of guy's face. And, and look, I will say something else. Uh, McCarthy, I assume, is Irish, which means I assume he's Catholic, uh, my mother's maiden name was Wurzba, which is Polish, which is Roman Catholic. We have incredible Catholic guilt. My wife cannot believe the things that I actually feel guilty about that wake me up in the middle of the night. So I don't, I don't read into it any other, other apology other than Catholic guilt got Mike McCarthy. It drives us Catholics insane. How awful does Prescott feel today? And if you're a Cowboys fan... Can you even have belief that you're going to get over the hump in the postseason? Uh, awful, I think, but I swear to God, I, I, I swear to God, the modern athlete doesn't give a rip. The modern athlete understands that he's supposed to give a rip. He knows he's going to be protected or crushed in the media one way or the other. I don't think he gives a rip. I've always said this about players. Uh, when, I co when I played, I thought I cared. Uh, and I did, you know, because if we lost, things would happen, but not nearly as much as when I coached. When you coached, man, it stays with you 24-7. I think fans care more about losses than what players do. I honestly do. I I've seen it for myself. You know, I got a call last night from my son. He's distraught. They lost a game against Valpo on Saturday. Uh, he's at Illinois State, and I told him, I go, I guarantee you the players aren't distraught. So I don't think, I don't think Pre uh, Prescott gives a rats uh, 24 hours later. I think the fans do. I think certainly Jerry Jones does. Mike McCarthy, he's going to have to read every day on all the shows that, or, or listen on the shows that he's going to get fired. No, I don't think you can believe. And, and I think, Chad, maybe you and I talked about it this morning. Um, you know, Jerry Jones ain't the problem. Jerry Jones has put together a roster, and if you don't want – Dak Prescott, my answer is always the same. Be careful what you wish for, because who do you want? You're going to try to get lucky? I don't know, but I would say this. Uh, Colts, 
they don't have anybody, so they got to try to make a move uh, to get an early draft choice, which they already have, actually. Got to make a move to get a quarterback. I think it's a big decision. I do. I think it's a big decision for the Dallas Cowboys. What are they going to do? They believe this is the best that Dak Prescott's ever going to be, and if it is, they're not going to win a Super Bowl. Well, the other, the one player or guy that they're going to lose is Dan Quinn. He's going to get a head coaching job somewhere, and the Dallas defense is what they've been able to to, to rely on. Well, let me tell you one thing, all right? And this is something that. Uh, Look, there are, in my world, four losses that I've never gotten over as a player and as a coach. And I was never in a press conference with Matt Ryan, but I would love to know, because their press conference were always during my other show, but I would love to know if he's ever gotten over 28-3 to in the Super Bowl. Mm. And I'd say the same thing about Mm. Dan Quinn. Honest to God, you talk to any coach, like, I'm telling you, there are two, two losses as a coach and two losses as a player that were 40-some years ago that I think about almost every night, if not every night. And they weren't Super Bowls, man. One was a state championship game, but they weren't Super Bowls. And I always wonder about that. Like, I always wonder, is there a little PTSD? Because I'm telling you, Matt Ryan hadn't been any good since that Super Bowl. Dan Quinn should get a job. I hope he gets a job. I'd love to see him come here to Indianapolis, but I think we're only on our 30th person to interview. We got about 45 yet to go. I heard you two guys are going to be flown up. They don't want Kaharski, so they'll take you two. We'll be there. But I, I'm just t- – I know – and I'll go with you as a defensive coordinator. <laughs> I, I, I think that their defense is terrific, but I'm not – look, I, 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 I'm not 100% sold on anybody coming in uh, to be a head coach, but if you're going to pick one, Dan Quinn sure seems to be a guy that, you know, did pretty well the first go-around. Final thing for you, Dan, and I'm just coming down from Albert Breer, no surprise to you, I'm sure, but this is ball on the tee for you. Colts interim head coach Jeff Saturday <laughs> remains in the running – for the permanent head coaching job. <laughs> would he be if you were the general man? Would he be if you were the owner? Just what you've seen. Would he be? No. No, of course not. Hell no. He'd be back at ESPN no, hosting the show. No. Yeah, he would do it. You know what? All of a sudden, Herm Edwards, I saw him on today. So Herm Edwards is back, you know, yelling and screaming and doing all his little Herm Edwards stuff on ESPN. And that's exactly what Saturday should be. But I'm telling you, there are a lot of people lot of people with ties to the Colts that are telling me, yeah, they're doing all these interviews. They're doing all these different things, but don't be surprised if Saturday isn't the head coach. Um, Saturday's gone back on his word. He's a guy that used, you know, me and bro and I and bro and me and bro and bro and bro and all the crap that he was saying. And he said, if he was awful, he would walk away. Well, he was awful. So he needs to walk away and let us get a pro in here somebody that knows how to call timeouts, somebody that knows what they're doing. Look, here's the other thing, and I got this. This is – I know this. This isn't hearsay. Four different players that I know of can't stand the guy. Like, they think that this is all a fraud. This is beneath an NFL team. He came in talking about I, me, I, 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 and at least four. Now, I don't know all the players. A couple have said, hey, look, let's go. But I know at least four that think he's full of crap. And I know that there's one guy that's talking to you right now that thinks he's full of crap. We need to start being professional here in Indianapolis, get ourselves a real coach and a real quarterback. Dan Dockich has been our guest. So you have Ted Karras, Jr., Jr.'s father on tomorrow. Is that right? Yeah. 
Yeah, he's Ted Jr. Ted yeah. Sr. won a Super Bowl. With, or won, not a Super Bowl. Ted's dad, Ted Karras Sr., won a championship before the Super Bowl with the Bears. Teddy won one as a replacement player with the Washington Redskins and his son, Junior Jr., who we affectionately... <laughs> Here's a story. He's in, my, he's in my pool. We're drinking beer for, like, hours in my pool after a golf outing. The kid, the center for the... Uh, Bengals, his dad, bunch of people. And I look at the kid and I go, hey, man, you've been drinking beer in my pool for about three hours. Why are you peeing? (laughs) (laughs) He said, I'm just really dehydrated. That's all it is. I'm just dehydrated. You didn't want to break the seal. Right. He said, yeah. He said, Mr. D, I never do that. What are you talking about, Mr. D? I'm like, all right, I just want to know. You've been sitting in the corner of my pool here <laughs> drinking 7,000 beers. I've been to the bathroom 16 times. Where are you peeing, son? Where are you peeing? <laughs> Dan Dockage. Uh, you can find out uh, where that was. That's uh, coming up tomorrow. Yeah, Don't add tomorrow. me on the Outkick Network. Dan, thank you so much, man. Get back to your nap. Your you guys out. are awesome. I'm lifting. Oh, <laughs> leg day. It's leg day. He's got to get back to leg day. Yeah. Oh, leg, leg day. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. See you guys. Later, Thank, man. Thank you. See you. Dan Dockich. Uh, check him out. Mornings, 9 o'clock Eastern. Uh, love that guy. And uh, Chad. He gets day. after it. Yeah. He gets after it. Also, you can't, you can't excuse McCarthy for shoving the camera guy. I mean, come on. No. I mean, I, the, the people want to well, say you can't use money. as If you make that much money – that is part of the expectation of the job is to not shove people out of the way well, or walk they, off the field regardless of how frustrated you are in the moment. Now, I will say there are camera people who get a little overzealous and yes. get in people's way and don't understand space. I don't know that this was the case. I know the photo that I saw where he's stiff-arming the camera and the guy's kind of going away. He doesn't look like he's in his way. He looks like he's sort of to the side of him. So, anyway. And at the end of the game, like, they have free reign of of the field with those field passes yeah uh, the there's way by the way there's way too many people credentialed to be down there first and foremost yeah, it's you can't move half the time anyway having been down there to report you get just people standing around i'm not yeah, sure agreed. what they're doing uh hit us up on social at outkick 360 coming up ed reed was going to join the list of former players turned head coaches in college football but bethune cookman has rescinded the offer and we'll tell you why. It's based on a tirade that Reed went on after accepting the job, but not formally signing the contract. It's next on Outkick 360. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Ed Reed was set to become the next head coach at Bethune-Cookman. He had agreed to the position. They had not signed the contract. And to this point, I have not heard of any memorandum of understanding that had been signed either regarding his status with Bethune-Cookman. But he went on Instagram Live and went on this rant using expletives and other things about how bad the facilities were, commitment to the program, all these things. And since that point, Bethune-Cookman pulled the offer. They rescinded the offer for Ed Reed to be the next head coach. 
here was Reed's reaction with parents and other members of his staff in real time. After playing in what we started doing, young man. Yeah, I curse. And y'all done heard curse words before. And they got parents in here. And no, I don't want to leave. And like I told you, I want all these recruits. But they got some corrupt people in this world, some evil people that don't care about kids like I do. So I want y'all to hear the truth from me. I ain't withdrawing my name. I got the receipts. They got all kinds of stuff going on around here, hoarding these buildings with nothing but trash in them. You understand me? And Dion was right. And I know I'm right. And they got some people in here who be snitching to their ass. And I work amongst Judas as Jesus walked with him. And I ain't have a problem with it. Because even Jesus prevailed. Sir. And what God got for you, no man can take. Sir. So Bethune-Cookman, with their religious background, they pulled the offer from Reed after he went on this you know, rant against the school and the facilities, and it put the school, honestly, in a bad spot. Ed Reed, though, is a guy I would want a part of my program. And the fact that they reached out and, and offered the job to him and allowed him to accept it, you know, it, it was a, to me, it was a no-brainer type hire if Ed Reed was involved with it. But the way he went about it forced Bethune-Cookman's hand. All I keep thinking when I watch that video is, damn, Ed Reed was a hell of a player. Yeah. <laughs> And I mean, behind I don't the scenes, care he's a anything good at all about him as a coach. I probably I don't know that he should coach. I don't really care. I'm just watching that, thinking if Ed Reed is standing up in a locker room in a Ravens jersey, right. talking to me like this, and I'm some scrub backup defensive lineman, I am ready to run through a brick wall for Ed Reed, and I can't help but watch him being mesmerized at how just an incredible football player he was in his playing days. He was an absolute stud. Those Brady, are my thoughts on Brady Ed Reed. Brady the toughest defender he faced in his career. I see that video and I think, Ed Reed, heck of a safety in the National Football League. Those we are my will thoughts. get into the NFL headlines. Sean Payton has concluded another interview with an NFL team. And we'll take a look at the NFL Divisional Finals that set up what's going to be a fun championship weekend. All of that and more coming up on OutKick 360 across the OutKick Network.